What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Triple Double Show. I'm your host, Josh, joined again by my pun school compatriot, Jared. How you doing today, man? Good, dude. How about you? Really good. Really good. Like, last show before we actually have one on the day of the NBA season, which will be fun. I know. It's also crazy, right? It's super crazy, yeah. Like, a little bit surreal as well, but um, a ton of fun. Nonetheless, uh, look, just an early shout out as well to everyone who tuned into episode one on Wednesday. Really appreciate all the positive feedback and support. Uh, thanks to everyone joining us now as well, of course. I'll be sure to keep on top of all the live chat this week. So if you have any questions, uh, you want to throw something up, any suggestions, any leans that you might have, definitely do so. And we'll absolutely do our best to get to them as well. A big welcome to our new subscribers for the NBA membership as well. Uh, just a reminder, if you are interested in subscribing, we're currently running a full season promo package. So just hit us up on Twitter or Facebook for details. Last season, we finished with a 4.8% ROI. So good. Definitely not amazing, but quite solid nonetheless. I think we absolutely expect to do better than that this season. Um, all our plays do come with plenty of analysis as well. But if you want that intro as well into some free plays to get started, Join that private Facebook group, Pond School MBA Betting. We'll be posting all of the first week free in there. Possibly the first two weeks. Depends what type of mood Jared's in, I guess. Um, but look, that's it for now Look, in terms of housekeeping. Jared, we've got a huge show to get through today. Talking team win percentages on the season. A lot to get through in that regard, I think. Last year, we actually were set for a perfect 4-0 sweep on our team total futures before our uh, COVID came in and just fucked everything up and gave us a whole heap of like voided tickets. But uh, before we go into our favorite team lines for that one, overs, unders, um, what's your focus this year in tackling that? Are you looking at the overs? Are you looking at the unders? I mean, I'm definitely on the unders bandwagon this year, but I usually am as well. So I guess you can't really take too much from that. But I just think it's a bigger lean in that regard because I know I sound like a scratch record here, but in a condensed season where teams are going to be playing you know, sometimes five games in eight days, uh, I think you just need to be prepared for a lot more load management, a lot of depleted teams as well, potentially with the COVID rule. You know, if they have to sit out star players, the league may, may even make them play. Like they, you know, look at what the NFL, I guess, did to the Denver Broncos a couple of weeks ago where they had to play without a quarterback. So I guess we, there's a lot of unknowns in that situation as to how things are going to play out. But like I said, for me, leaning unders, for the most part of season totals. How are you looking at it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unders is always a favourite of ours. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's a very long season. There's so many things that can happen. You've, there's a lot of teams where, you know, even just one injury that can change the course of, of a team's season. So it the, the bet type itself just sort of lends itself towards unders. But given this season... Um, we're seeing with books now we've got win percentage rather than just season win total. So that's a really interesting look. Um, and as punters, we need to further understand the market and, and how to approach this. So you've Definitely. got most of the soft books, sorry, but um, most of the soft books, so they're actually, they're not going to grade your bet unless 70 to 72 games are actually played. So yeah. Immediately, that that's has to be a stay away. It, like you, you don't want those tickets frozen all season long just to find out that they're not even going to be graded. Like that's yeah. that's terrible. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, like I said, we had we had plenty of those after COVID went and kind of yeah. ruined the season for us a bit last time around. Um, but yeah, look, let's just get straight into it. Like I said, this is going to take up probably a bulk of the show, I think, um, and jump into the straight uh, straight into the favorite plays. I'll, uh, I'll let you go first. What's your favorite? I'll let you run through my favorite, but my second favorite <laughs> would absolutely have to be the Brooklyn Nets. I, I threw it. I threw it to you because I thought the Brooklyn Nets would just be your favorite because you're just like <laughs> the anti-Brooklyn better this year. Yeah, it's. Um, I've been doing rounds around my house like Kyrie with his incense this morning, just trying to <laughs> <laughs> get rid of the bad jujus. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Okay. We, I look. It, go. Go ahead. Let's do Brooklyn first. Then. Uh, like, I'm definitely with you on it, but. Straight away, if we, if we have a look from last season to this season, um, Brooklyn's win percentage is increasing by nearly 14% on what the books are expecting them to win. So um, already I feel like they're being over-favoured um, in a season where we have touched on the uncertainty um, of not only external conditions but the internal conditions of the nets. Uh, you've got coaching, personnel changes, uh, uncertainty of the actual roster and whether or not that is still going to be in place. So I think all these things have to have to play into your handicapping when you're looking at, at how many wins you expect them to to take home this year. Yeah, the big one I think, like you said, is with the roster. I guess the whole James Harden scenario is still kind of looming large as to where he's going to go. Uh, for me, the the issue for Brooklyn already, even without that, is is going to be the chemistry on court. Um, that's something you can't necessarily prep for, right? Like that takes actual game time to to develop. And when you have two alphas like Kyrie and KD coming in at the exact same time, it's going to throw dynamics all over the shop. And, you know, you add a, a new head coach into the mix, who, by the way, it's his first time coaching the NBA. <laughs> it's just going to be things all over the place. And don't get me wrong, like, they obviously have the top-end talent to go out and still win enough games. But when your three top players, and I'm saying three top because, for me, I think Karis LeVert is that number three player in terms of talent alone anyway. But when your three top players haven't put together full regular seasons in I can't even tell you how long, then it becomes a worry because you're going to get to a point in the season where every other night you're probably going to have a different starting lineup because guys are just going to be unavailable, whether it's that you're load managing them because they're coming back from long-term injury like you probably expect KD to do on some nights or whether it's you know long-term absences like we've seen from Levert pretty much throughout his entire his entire career, sorry, in the NBA, where he just hasn't been able to stay fit for a full season. And Kyrie's much the same as well. So, you know, I was, I was looking at something the other day where he's only played three of the last six regular seasons where he's played over 60 games. That's insane. Yeah, it's incredible. Insane. So I, I don't expect him to be able to play a full season in, in these conditions. I don't expect Durant to either. And Levert's injury history suggests that he can't either. So, you know, there, there was a lot of times, I think, last season in particular, where 
Brooklyn arguably looked better when Kyrie wasn't on the court because they looked like more of a team and there was more cohesion to their play. But I don't think you're going to get that this time around when Kyrie and KD are going to be able to come in and out of the lineup essentially as they want. Uh, it's just going to throw a lot of things up in the air. It, that That's essentially how you ruin team chemistry, right? Not build it. Absolutely. Um, especially if players start becoming agitated. So I think you nailed it like last time on the show when you said there's just so much toxicity around that organization yeah. uh, that, you know, it, it's hard to really say with any certainty that this is a team that's going to go out and win the East and be a legitimate NBA championship contender, which they are on paper. But until we see that, I think on the quarter, it's hard to necessarily just go and put them in, put them in that category straight up, especially yeah. by the way, like you said, when they can't defend. Mm. I just feel like there's the gap between the floor and their ceiling is just too big over the course of a season that you're going to have to find some variance in there. And it, it just it just screams unders to me. There's there's certainly no way you could bet it over. Like the, the number that you've been no. given, there's only one way to bet it is, is under or it's a, it's a hard pass. So, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. This team is like come playoffs, it's going to be a completely different scene. But yeah. we're talking about 72 games and, and yeah. who knows what's going to happen. So I think I think you just have to take those unders. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think that'll probably be an official play for us and for members, yeah, but um, we'll finalise those, I think, at the end of the show and, and send them out to to membership via email. Um, but the one I think that we universally agree is an absolute play. For me, it's a two-unit play already. I imagine we'll probably both get on board with that, but Atlanta Hawks under 48.5% or point, you know, four eight five. Uh, it's sitting at a dollar ninety five on Top Sport. I just love it. Like oh, this line equates to a forty win season in a, in a normal eighty two game season, right? Um, it means finishing with a record of about thirty five and thirty seven this season, presuming they play out the full seventy two games. Now, last season this team finished twenty and forty seven on the shortened season, uh, and their preseason team total last year was thirty three and a half. So, like I said, this current market suggests a team total of about 39.5 in a normal season. That's six more than what it was last year. I almost feel like that should just be my entire analysis, though, right? (laughs) What what more do you have to say? They've said it for you. (laughs) Yeah, like what on earth makes you think the Hawks are projecting to be six wins better than a team that was on pace to fall six wins shy of their total last year? So essentially like a a 12-win increase on last season or 15 wins really by by projections one of the absolute worst defensive teams getting around (laughs) allowing 120 points a night are going to come through and win 48 and a half percent of the games that they play is just i i don't know where that comes from but i'm more than happy to take it and the only reason why we we won't be playing the nets early is because we have to find out how many units we have available after playing (laughs) like yeah i I said to you it's a definite two unit play and you said to me just before we went on air that you're probably going to go three units and i I can't i can't talk you out of it like you're probably going to talk me into it if anything um look obviously there's more to this than just you know realizing one plus two doesn't equal four Uh, And when we look at the roster makeup and likelihood of success, I think that's when we see where the value comes from. 
I mean, like you said, the Hawks can't defend. They were 27th, I believe, last year in defensive rating. And yeah. there's nothing to suggest that they get better in that regard. In fact, like they're almost certain to still be a bottom-tier side in terms of their defensive efficiency. And it's just so hard for a team to be 500 or better when your defense is you know, outside of that top 10 in the league. But it's damn near impossible when your defense is in the bottom five. Mm-hmm. So you look at the signings, you know, you've got Chris Dunn, Rondo, Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Tony Snell, if you want to throw him in there as an acquisition of sorts. But none of that really changes what this team is in terms of its identity. Uh, and I think the pressure to show progression is essentially what led them to spending up in what was an otherwise really dour free agency market. But I don't think it's actually done anything to accelerate the growth of this team. Like of those free agent signings, it's just Bogdanovich that projects to be a starter. Um, you know, yes, their depth was an issue last season. So having that that firepower off the bench is definitely a plus. And, you know, the team's net rating when Trey Young was off the floor last season was wildly concerning. But, disgusting. Yeah, but I just think there's going to be so much for Lloyd Pierce to have to navigate here in terms of his rotation and in terms of fit that when you look at the lack of preseason, it could genuinely take this team half a season to actually work out who it is and, and what its identity is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, this is a, this is a definite two-unit play. And that's without even considering the you know your starting lineup and, and who's going to tell John Collins that he's not the best player on this team anymore. <laughs> Uh, probably the same person that's going to have to tell him he's actually not worth a max contract at the end of the year. (laughs) Oh, man. Do you envision Gallinari actually playing the season on the bench because he's not even that good of a a starting caliber player, let alone being a six-man anymore? Yeah, I think like the unofficial notion is that he's going to be off the bench. So I, I they've tried to keep it under wraps, but I saw an interview with him where the reporter essentially asked him if he's embraced that role and he sort of nodded along as if he he knew he genuinely knew that that's what his position was going to be this season. Yeah. Um, the, the question mark for me on Gallinari is well, where do they play him? Like are they playing him at the four or the three? You can't play him at small forward because he's past it. He doesn't have the athleticism to, to defend anyone in that position and it just makes an already vulnerable defence even worse. Mm. We're letting even more people blow by to the rim. So um, I think you have makes, to play for a, makes for a really interesting um, small ball lineup with him at the five though, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Or, or like if he plays the four, I guess Collins can then go to the five. Mm. Yeah, that that um that has quite a good makeup. Screams overs, but it's Yeah, yeah. Oh, this team is a is a dead nut overs team all year. Like if you're ever betting the Atlanta Hawks under this season, <laughs> you have got some serious balls behind you. <laughs> oh, like this man. team is just going to give up open look after open look. Where like if you're on an unders, all you have to do is just sit and pray that they miss. Like there's <laughs> nothing more to it than that. But I reckon you'd play just to sweat it out. To be honest, <laughs> just to sit just to have an adrenaline rush. Yeah. That's one way to do it, I guess. <laughs> there's more but, to know, life, Josh. There's more to life. I, I guess so. So they say. So they say. <laughs> but look, the value on this number for me is probably the best you're going to find. Like if you want to play a season total and you're only going to attack one, it has to be this one. 
Um, like I said, it's so rare anyway for any NBA team to improve by double-digit wins from season to season unless they acquire an absolute superstar like the Lakers did when they first got LeBron or the Clippers when they brought in Kawhi and Paul George over the past two seasons. There's no superstar incoming for Atlanta. Like the rebuild is very much still in effect. So to expect such a massive jump from them is is insane. Like, uh, like I said, this is a definite two-unit play for members. If you're listening and yeah, you want to jump on a season win total percentage, this is the one you want to target as, more so than anything else. Yeah, just just keep an eye out for what I put it up in the Facebook group as though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, let's just try and keep it to two units. It's <laughs> like your bankroll. Uh, another one for me that I, I haven't made it a play yet, but I think I've, I've kind of circled it, is the paces actually, under 54 and a half. Um, in an 82-game season, it equates to about a 45-win season, which is more or less where the team's been for a little while now. However, the constant talk of like Miles Turner, Victor Oladipo trade packages just leaves like this dark cloud over the team, I think, heading into the season, especially now that they're without Nate McMillan, who's kind of just been like the foundation and rock to that team for so long. Like, I was extremely surprised by his firing. Like, for me, he had this team playing above its means, in my opinion. Uh, the defensive identity he created in Indy was like the foundation for the success. I don't know what to expect from Bjorkren as a head coach. You know, obviously as the assistant behind the mad genius that is Nick Nurse over in Toronto. Um, but a first-time head coach with such a, you know, harried preseason and a non-existent training camp, I don't – it just kind of sets itself up for a really difficult year for Indiana. And it's kind of one of those ones where if they just – if they get off to a slow start, it could really snowball and, and work against them. You know, and looking at the market, this is essentially asking him to lead the paces to a 39-win season should they play out all 72 games. Yeah. Uh, and that basically means they have to hit the ground running. Whereas, you know, I think I have this team closer to like a 500 mark uh, and probably one of the playing teams in the East in that playing tournament. It's just, yeah, and... and Look, like I said, we don't even know what's going on with the Oladipo Miles Turner situation. That there's a chance that those two are shipped out at some point in the next month. It seems like they're trying to with anyone that's willing to listen, right? That's incredible. Absolutely insane. It's yeah, like Indiana pencil them in as a five hundred team, but anything more than that, I think you're asking too much. Yeah, like I said, I'm not on it yet. I think that's the only other one I've had circled apart from the Brooklyn and Atlanta too. Yeah. But, yeah, in my opinion, I just think there's too many question marks around the team to comfortably say that they're a well over 500 caliber roster right now, especially when we still don't know um, what Oladipo's conditioning is like. You know, to have to jump into playing pretty much every other night. Uh, I I don't know if he's capable of that yet. I don't know if he's capable of getting back to the level of play that Adam is an all-star either. Yeah. So, yeah, too many question marks around that team. I'll sit on it for a little bit. I think I'll dig a little deeper in this final few days before the season starts to see whether we actually get on board that one. But, yeah, for me, the Brooklyn, the Atlanta, probably the Indiana unders, that's pretty much it. Do you like any overs at all? Yeah, so I think I think if you look at the way the market is set out, 
Um, so with top sport win percentage, it, your bet will be graded if there is a minimum of 60 games played. So I think, I think that in itself is a pretty, a uh, pretty good spot to, to recognize that, well, maybe if we're not going to have 72 games played and we're getting closer to 60, maybe the edge towards overs becomes greater. Yeah. Um, so you start looking at these teams that are, you know, may have been mispriced or, you know, that are just, just winning teams. And yeah. it's hard to look past the box. I mean, they, another prove-it year from them, um, their percentage has actually gone down like 9.3% from what they achieved last year in a 72-game season, which is, I guess, comparable. So yeah. that seems like a spot. Um, you can't tell me they, they're not going to do well this this regular oh, season. They're a regular season juggernaut. Like every Mike Budenholzer team is just a regular season juggernaut, really. Yeah. Uh, just look at what he did with an Atlanta team that was not very good, but he would consistently get him a top two seed in the East. Again, with Milwaukee consistently that top seed in the regular season. I think they'll also be given like that that injection of life, if you want to call it that, after seeing Giannis sign the Supermax. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, which it, it, I think it just bodes well for them to literally hit the ground running from opening night yeah. and just go and start stringing those wins together. Obviously, the Drew Holiday edition is huge as well. I'm super high on Drew Holiday. Yeah. He's better than Eric Bledsoe in like every possible way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's um, too much of a hot take. But um, they, they like they did lose a few people, but I, I don't see it being an issue and they should comfortably mm-hmm. cover that, um, which six, uh, where are we? Milwaukee. You're talking about 49 wins. Yeah. If, if they play the full 72, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is only 56 wins in a regular in a um, in an 82 game regular season. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'd <clears throat> I'd have to consider that. Yeah. <laughs> Giannis are full for signing the extension this soon. Uh, I don't know. I've kind of gone back and forth on this one a little bit. Like I think. I think it might be in his best interest. Like, there's nothing that says he's going to see out the full Supermax, right? No. But it kind of it kind of puts the current team and franchise in the best possible position to go and win now in that, you know, eliminate all doubt, get everyone back on the same page and focused on the same goal, and they can go out and get about their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this way... It's, it's almost like his way of, uh, of saying to the franchise, look, if I want out, at least this way, you're going to get maximum return on on your investment, right? Like You're going to have to really give up your entire future to lure him away. Yeah. Look what the Lakers had to give up for AD, who was a free agent mm-hmm. in like six months. Yeah. yeah. So to try, and like, to try and get Giannis now when he's locked in for that long, He's going to take some deal, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, I mean, let's not overreact to Paul George getting an extension. That is 100% about being able to deal him <laughs> if they need to. Like, it's he's not uh, a exactly. for life by any mean of the word. Like it, exactly. It's just so that you can say to another team, here's a guy and he's locked in for X amount of years. It, like, yeah. he's not just going to do a Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's leveraging both ways. Um. Any other season win percentages you want to look at before we 
I mean, the box overs, I think I agree with you there. That actually might be worth looking into a little deeper to see if we make it a play for members. I think so. It. I mean, I, I don't, after saying that I'm going to capitalise everything I own into Atlanta, I don't want to <laughs> overcapitalise on, on too many of these futures because, I mean, yeah, I, like it, it's it's a long time to have it held up if, if things yeah. turn, go south quickly, like, and we don't even see out yeah. a 60-game season, then... You know, you've got that tied up for a very long time, and yeah. um, you know it, it's it's discouraging after last season for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, just quickly, a couple of teams that have that the market has sort of like gone either too hard or too too soft against from year to year. Um, the Raptors, like a fifteen percent decrease in their win percentage. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a big one. I know that the Tampa Bay Raptors now, but. <sighs> Man, like it's Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is enough not to to drop yep. your win percentage by fifteen percent. Like yeah, that I, alone, I, um, couldn't agree more. They got Aaron Baines now. Yeah, what more do you want? Have you seen him just burying people with screens in the preseason? It's just oh, he has the Aaron best Baines. fan account on Twitter. <laughs> he does. He does. If you're not following the Aaron Baines fan account on Twitter, you're not doing Twitter properly. Um. No, and then, I mean, it's it's not a very high total, but I would be fading the Kings. But I, I think we've already got enough stuff to go off without yeah. having to scrape, scrape the barrel that far. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the best way of putting it. Um, look, we'll move on from that. Let's go take a quick peek at division winners, which a couple of people suggested uh, online over the last few days. I guess some of the, you know, obviously I think there's a couple that are really straightforward. Um, but I still think there's definitely value on offer in some areas. So uh, do you have a best bet in that regard? Like I've got a couple that are so good, but if you want to go first with yours. Yeah, I, th- I think if you're talking best bet, we're, we're really looking at what value you're being offered, aren't we? Yeah. So there's, there's probably only two divisions that I would be looking at, but the top one, I mean... We're going to sound all sorts of biased with this, but the best one is definitely the Atlantic Division and fading the Nets, which just comes off of what we've already spoken about. Um, but I think they're also undervaluing anyone else in the division, not named New York Knicks. Uh, we'll get to the Knicks. Don't worry. <laughs> We're not done. We're not done with them just yet. No. Um, Look, the Atlantic Division, yeah, the Celtics 320 for me, I think, yeah. is just screams value. Um, you know, you want, in a shortened season, we spoke about it on Wednesday, you want a team with continuity behind it. Um, and they've certainly got that. I think they've made pretty key improvements in, with Jeff Teague and with Tristan Thompson. Uh, that, you know, they can essentially start the season and just get straight to rolling picking up wins and I don't want to say putting pressure on Brooklyn for the division title because I don't think either team necessarily puts too much emphasis on that. But I think just the consistency that the Celtics can put together and the fact that I have more faith in their top-tier talent playing more games this season is probably a big one as well. Absolutely. I mean, in in terms of regular season win percentages, they're the Celtics and Nets have both been graded the same win percentage. So yeah. you, you have it laid out right in front of you that that $3.50 for Boston to 
better than Nets is just value. Like there's, yeah, there's no exactly. easier way to say it. Oh, exactly. For, right. me, for me, it's, it's, I don't know. Like surely it's between Boston and Toronto to decide. Like don't even get me started yeah, on the value that Toronto have. It's ridiculous. I know. I, I'm with you on that as well. I did look at Toronto probably just for the value aspect as well. Uh, I guess that the only thing there is like they do lose uh, that home court aspect now that they're not, you know, back home in Toronto. But yeah. like we've said, what's home court home court worth, especially in these first couple months when we're playing in empty arenas? And yeah. it might just be a blessing in disguise in terms of not having to travel across the border yeah. with so much regularity. So, yeah, I wouldn't disagree that if you want money on in the Atlantic division, it's got to be the Celtics or Raptors. I mean, if you want pure value on pricing, it probably has to be Toronto, I think, at that number. Think so. But, um, you know, you, you look at things a little bit deeper and, and the 320 that you can get on Boston kind of speaks for itself as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only other one I've got is over in the Northwest Division. The Trailblazers are 450. Um, that's insane. Like, I, I do think Denver are rightly favorites in that, that particular division. Um, but for them to be a dollar eighty three, and then even Utah, you could argue some value. But I have Utah and Portland as pretty much projected to, to finish with almost identical records. Yeah. Uh, in which case, I'm taking I'm taking the better prize for sure. And like I said, four fifty for a team whose ceiling is a top four team in the West. Um, for me, screams value as well. And the only reason why I didn't bring it up earlier in season win totals is because I think this 450 just represents unbelievable value as opposed yeah. to betting over their win percentage. Being yeah, that that's exactly right. It's, you know, it's, it is the same thing, essentially. I mean, it, they, could, they could go over their win season percentage and not win the division, but, you know, I think it yes. still gives you a good buy spot later on if you lock it in now. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I think it. Uh, I think there's a correlation between the two. It's fair to say, for sure. Um, so in terms of division winners, I think they're the only two I'd look at. Uh, I probably do want to look at it over the next couple of days to see if we do end up actually getting on anything officially. Uh, I haven't backed anything personally yet. Those are the two that I've circled for now, and I guess we'll see whether I actually get behind either one of those or not. Um, but all right, look, let's. Let's go look at some more opening week lines, I think, before uh, we sign off for today. So we've got the three feature games today, Pacers, Knicks, Celtics, Bucks, Grizzlies, Spurs. Um, let's start with Indiana hosting New York. Currently, market sitting at Pacers minus eight and a half. My number here actually five and a half. So I show an edge on the Knicks, but I don't know I'm ready to go starting the season backing them in any way, shape or form. Um <laughs> What have you got? What, what number have you got for this game? I'm pretty similar, unfortunately. I um, yeah, I'm a bit bullish about commenting on it, but I, th- <laughs> I, I just find it hard to think that Indiana's eight and a half points better than anyone. Yeah, I mean, and we, we're talking about New York, but I know. Um, I think I think the best way to look at it is is definitely not side related. Though. I, this is definitely a totals game for me. <laughs> Yeah, um, I really want a total. I really want a totals number on this game yeah. to see where they set it up. If we get, if we, we, uh, if we get like a, a decent first half number, it yeah, just, I was gonna say um, it could be it could be a case of like first half full game unders in this game if we get the right mm, number. I think absolutely. Um, but 
yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't think I want to be touching touching it. Like it's, it, I've said it already. The Pacers, it's just such a tough way for a new coach to start their tenure with no real preseason, no training camp. And, you know, your front office still trying to shop around, arguably, your two best players. Uh, look, Tom Thibodeau is going to make the Knicks grittier than what they've been in years gone by. And I think he's probably a lot better at ensuring that his best players are the focal point of everything the team does rather than trying to share the ball and establish a brand of basketball that doesn't necessarily suit the sum of its parts. Um, And look, while I don't see myself getting to the market with the Knicks, I genuinely think that it's New York or pass here. I think it's going to be a largely scrappy game offensively for the most part, in which case you want to be taking the points in a game like that where neither team can necessarily generate uh, any sort of cohesion offensively for, for long periods of time. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, um, it also calls into to question like a Pacers team total. That that could be a nice look, given that they've been they have yeah. so many points. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the Thibs, I like Thibs in New York. I think that's you know, of all the things I could have done this off season, that's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, um, yeah. We like yeah. For, for, I don't know. I, I'm not too sure what to expect from them this year. I think Obi is a really, really good pickup, and yeah, for sure, um, great draft. He's, he's going to change the franchise, but I don't think he's the cornerstone of the franchise. Like, no, you you would need you would need RJ Barrett to make maybe like two massive leaps. He, he needs to take a massive step forward this yeah. year. He was so disappointing. I thought. Yeah, uh, I, I still think he could come good and be a really good contributor offensively in particular, but yeah, he really needs to take take a massive step forward. Um, all right, that's enough of this game, yeah? Like, no one wants to talk about the Knicks. <laughs> Knicks fans I, don't want to talk about the Knicks. I know, I know. Um, so let's just leave that one there. Leaning Knicks, but probably not going to get to the window, I think, with either side. Uh, let's get to a much more exciting matchup to start the season. Our beloved Celtics returning to the Garden, albeit an empty one. Uh, they host the Bucks. The Lions seems to have settled here, I think, two and a half points in favour of the road team. Some early support, though, came in on Boston and the markets. My number has this as a pick so I have a market edge on the Celtics. What, have, what number have you got before we get going on this one? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I probably have the Bucks favoured by one, not taking into consideration yep. um, home field. So, yeah, about a pick. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see how Milwaukee comes out. It's going to be interesting to see the makeup of the Celtics without Kemba. Um, hmm. I think it's I think it's going to be definitely one of the premier games of the slate. And yeah. it's to see. I mean, Boston. I mean, both teams have got a lot to to make up after last season's yeah. disappointing finishes. So it just makes for an absolute belter of a game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think uh, like. Like I said, I show a market edge on Boston and I think I probably would have gotten to playing them as well if, if I know it sounds really simple, but if Giannis hadn't signed that Supermax, like that's the type of thing that just gives gives a franchise that real injection of life to start a yeah. season. Yeah, for sure. And it's almost like, you know, a little bit of a rally for the team to get behind. Um, whereas, you know, like you said, there's no Kemba. 
So you're going to have to roll out Jeff Teague, who, like I said, I think he's a really good addition, but you know you don't really want your starting point guard to be completely new to a system either. No, and and as we saw throughout the playoffs, when you you lose a player and your bench your bench players have to start, like it just messes your rotation, and we all know how thin that Boston rotation is to begin with. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it only gets worse after that. But a couple, couple of nice rookies. We've got some shooting for a change. I mean, I know, you know I know. That's exciting. Anything, anything could happen from here. But yeah, that's yeah. exciting given that, you know, Brad Stevens just gives anyone the green light to shoot from, from the three. <laughs> like, he, like, if we suited up, he would give us the green light to shoot from the three. Um, uh, so you've never seen me shoot a ball before. So. <laughs> <laughs> to have actual shooters being allowed to shoot, that'll be a fun fun little addition to the to the roster for sure. But, yeah, I think this game's going to be a hard pass for me. Um, mm. As much as my numbers kind of push me towards Boston and circumstantially I probably would take them more often than not in this spot. And they've always been a great ATS team as well in the regular season um, yeah. under Brad Stevens. But I just, yeah, this one's definitely for me a pass. I think there'll be better situations for them, especially if they sort of go out and fumble their way through this one and Milwaukee get a comfortable win. It'll set up really nicely for them um, going forward. Steve saying that not even Knicks fans want to talk about Knicks. Yeah, well... <laughs> You know, consider that segment was literally just for you, I think, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I think we lost viewers in that five minutes that we sidetracked that way. <laughs> um, but anyway, look, that one's that one's a hard pass, I think. Let's leave it at that. Uh, but the third game, this one is um, this one's intriguing for me. So Spurs, Grizzlies, we have the market set. Uh, sorry, the market has been set at Memphis minus three at home. Um, I actually have this one as well as a pick. So I have an edge on San Antonio and that's an edge I think I'm ready to go to market on. Uh, what number do you have for this one? 100% no. I um, I have this, I'm scratching my head with this one because I still have San Antonio as a pick. I think um, it's hard It's hard not to like San Antonio at any stage regardless mm. of, of what their makeup is. They always put a good team out. Yeah. Um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't at all surprise me to see Memphis experience some regression, oh, even though yeah. even though the things I'm seeing from Ja Morant is absolutely filthy. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, huge. Look, I'll start by saying that I think Memphis massively overachieved for the majority of last season, uh, and how they looked when Jaron Jackson Jr. went down, I think, was a, a concern. And that's one that's probably going to carry over into this season. I think what we saw from them in the bubble is probably a more realistic expectation of what we'll get from them this year uh, going throughout the regular season. Um, and look, that I'm a big Brandon Clark fan as well. So like, I think he yeah. comes in and he does a really good job for them in that starting lineup. I just don't like the roster makeup anywhere else. Like it's just, it's really raw. Um and there's still so much development that needs to go into this team. You know, I, and I said this with Indiana, but it probably applies more to Memphis in that a poor start could really snowball out of control. Uh, this team absolutely come like February could be a legitimate, you know, lottery team looking to try and, and jockey for like a top three pick. Like that, that's kind of how that's where the basement I think is for this team. Um, and, you know, San Antonio, I think, as well, I said to you, 
before we went on air. I think they're a real buy-on team for me in the early goings this season just because I think that they're going to be severely undervalued in the market based on them missing the playoffs last season. Um, but, you know, that DeMar DeRozan, I think, was really underappreciated last season. I thought he was actually really efficient. Uh, I think getting a healthy Derek White back into the rotation is a huge boost. Uh, they have a lot of great shooting as well. And when you put that really great shooting around two really smart players like DeRozan and Aldridge who can dominate the mid-range and kind of force you to collapse in on them, that's going to put this team in position to put up some really scary offensive numbers, I think. And yeah, like I said, for me, Spurs plus three might actually be my favorite look to start the year. Uh, and that's definitely going to be a members play for me uh, on, on opening week. Definitely. It's, yeah, like you touched on, DeMar was unbelievable last year. It's it just massively underrated. And, you know, the, them, the Spurs... Um, retaining both Aldridge and DeRozan sort of shows that yeah. if not for this whole season, at least the beginning of this season, they're going to put their, their best foot forward. They're not, in, they're not in looking to entertain tanking. So, um, And like we saw last year, it was a different Spurs team, um, but plenty of high-scoring totals. And then playing Memphis, this might be the, the, the finest first half of basketball you are going to watch. <laughs> Oh, they're going to be letting fly from deep, like throughout, <laughs> throughout. Lonnie Walker, Derek White, Patty Mills, like every single one of those guards is going to just be chucking the ball up from deep at any given opportunity. And I think Pop has just like embraced the three-point game now to the point where as much as he hates it, he's kind of just gone, fuck it, well, that's just what we're going to do. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to try and fight the revolution. Let's just go and, like, lead the charge and just take them all. Didn't Aldridge have, like, 14 three-point attempts the other day in a preseason game? Like, (laughs) poor Yeah, Yeah. I know. I know. I feel for the guy. But, look, like I said, I'm I'm super high on San Antonio for the first couple weeks of the season. I'm going to be looking to bet them a lot uh, until the market sort of properly accounts for, for where they actually sit this season, for me, definitely going to be in the playing tournament, no doubt. Mm. Yep. Um, yep. You know, they're, they're absolutely a top 10 team in the West. Uh, so, yeah, let's lock that one in. That's an official members play is San Antonio plus three against the Memphis Grizzlies on the road there. Um, again, the road doesn't really count for much, but that'll be our three games, I think, for this week, uh, for this weekend rather. Our next live show will be Wednesday morning. We'll go forward an hour, so we'll we'll kick things off at 10 a.m. Eastern time here, and that way we pretty much roll straight into tip-off for opening night. It's finally got here. How good is that? Absolutely. Absolutely insane. Um, so, look, we've deliberately not previewed those two opening night games because I figured we could do them on the Wednesday morning show before tip-off. We'll definitely deep dive into Brooklyn Golden State and then the fun one, the Lakers Clippers. Uh, members from last season, if you think we're done losing <laughs> money on the Clippers, you are so wrong. <laughs> you are so, so wrong. Uh, brace yourselves. All of the units. <laughs> 
Uh, I really wanted that line to hit three and we could just tell people to get on it now, but it looks like it's probably going to come in, if anything. Yeah, um, I know. Some early money on the Clippers. But I do expect it to sort of to, to be buyback. I think a lot of public support will be on the Lakers. Hopefully all the public support in the world. Let's push that thing to a three. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I saw public support at like 72% at one site. So yeah. the fact that it hasn't moved just tells you that there's a bit of shot. Well, it probably just tells you that you're already on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I took some two and a half early. I, basically, as soon as it came out, I, I, have, the, I have it lined as a pick as well. Um, yeah. Even though I have the Lakers power rated higher than the Clippers this year, I, I still have this game as a pick um, yeah. So I took the two and a half that was on offer. I only put a half unit because I still, I still am hopeful that we get a three. Uh, but yeah, like I said, look, we've deliberately left both those games out so that we can talk about them on the Wednesday show before opening night. Um, but for this one, as always, thanks again for everyone that's tuned in and that has listened. Uh, we are still running the NBA season promo as well. So if you want to get on board, just send us a DM on Facebook or Twitter. We'll take care of that for you. If you want a sneak peek at what our plays are like, what our systems are like, join that private Facebook group. Just search Pun School NBA Betting and it'll come up and we will let you in on all of our plays for the first week, possibly two weeks. Like I said, Jared's in charge of that one. So I'll look after the folks. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Give him a follow on Twitter and butter him up and I'm sure he'll, he'll play it along. Doesn't take, it doesn't take very much. No, 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 it doesn't. Just... Just tell him how good Kemba Walker will be when he comes back from injury. <laughs> <laughs> that should do the trick. But um, again, guys, thanks again for tuning in. Please do subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to our podcast as well. The Triple Double Show should be available everywhere by now, I think. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else that you listen. But Jared, thanks for your time again. Hope you Hope you had fun talking NBA as always. Absolutely. It's been awesome. And the support has been awesome too, can I say. Like it it um it really means a lot to us we we do put a it yeah it might not seem like it but we put a lot of effort into these shows <laughs> we do we do we put a lot of time and effort into these shows um i think we might have had a little glitch at one point there but i'll work on that that's that's me i'm still trying to figure out how to do this stuff <laughs> um, but look we made it to the end of another one like i said thanks for everyone tuning in subscribe like leave some comments and wednesday morning 10 a.m Eastern time. We'll be back an hour before opening tip to preview those two games and maybe a little bit more as well, depending on how the market's looking for the other games. We should have totals as well, which will be fun. Yeah. And a nice little bit of movement on our earlier picks for the guys. Yeah, I did oh, see that. So Dallas are yeah. into pretty much evens now, right? We're yep, looking at a couple 90 each way. Miami at three, pushing, hoping, uh, yeah, three and a half, maybe four. Yeah. Let's see what I, we can I, get. But. I saw a three and a half in some spots. So for those that missed it, members plays, we took Dallas Moneyline. I got him at 216. It was still available at 216 after the show. And we locked in Miami minus three in the end at $1.90. And that one's already pushing towards three and a half. Uh, just a quick recap for today. The only official one we're locking in at the moment, San Antonio plus three at Memphis. I will put that one up in the Facebook group and I will send an email out to members there. I'll also be emailing members with a full recap of all the official futures bets, um, which basically is putting all your bankroll on Atlanta under <laughs> season total as per Jared's recommendation. 
Uh, and then just sprinkling a little bit on some six man and rookie of the year awards, I think. <laughs> I love it. Uh, look, anyway, that's all I've got for today, guys. We won't take up too much more of your time. Jared, thanks as always, man. Let's uh let's do this again Wednesday morning. Let's do it. We'll see you all then. <laughs>